Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having on the program Barbara Comstock. She is uh, a longtime regular on the program, a former member of Congress, former Justice Department official, and uh, she brings so much experience to the program. We, we usually and often talk about technology in the law, which is a lot of fun, but there's very few people who understand Congress better than Barbara, in my experience. And I know a lot of people in Congress, a lot of people who have been in Congress, and uh, she's one of my favorites to talk to. A lot happened. Last time you were on, Barbara, uh, we were talking about, with a lot of speculation about what uh, what was happening, uh, we, you, you were on right after the election results, which were uh, exhilarating, to say the least, to see a call for normalcy, I think. Um, and now a lot of questions are about what happens next. Will the Republicans take this as a, an opportunity to act in an adult manner like we haven't seen from either party in quite some time? Or are we going to continue the uh, really petty um, turbulent uh, type relationships that focuses on personalities rather than on Republican principles. I think that's what a lot of people are asking right now. Oh, I I think you're exactly right, and it's it's great to be with you again. And I think we certainly are at a time when the economy really was, when you asked everyone pre-election, what is your number one priority? It was the economy, but I think you also had these characters and you know as we discussed previously many of them trump endorsed characters which were not serious people which were rejected by the voters because they did not seem as if they were prepared or interested in dealing with a lot of the serious issues so we saw on the governor level you saw you know governors like mike dewine and governor kemp in georgia and, you know, other, you know, Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa, and kind of serious people who are more policy-oriented reelected. You know, on the Democrat side, there was a clear sweep in Michigan uh, with Governor Whitmer, and then in Pennsylvania with Governor Shapiro, who had been the attorney general and really ran a very serious policy-oriented race where he talked about cutting taxes and dealing with crime as a Democrat. Very creative, yeah. <laughs> very smart, I think, in, in a in a centrist state. So, yes, you know, now is Congress going to listen to that message, which was a pretty winning message across the country. And one of the things, I, I, I certainly hope the House Republicans will do that. You do have to remember that until we get through the leadership elections in January, there is a lot of posturing and people getting into the leadership roles and in the case of the speaker having to be voted in by, you know, a very volatile group, you know, and it's very hard to herd those cats. I do expect Kevin McCarthy will be voted as speaker because, you know, there isn't an alternative. And at the end of the day, even these people who say they won't vote for him, you know, the alternative is, do you want to have a Democrat speaker? You know, they really don't have an alternative. So, and there's not, any kind of Freedom Caucus member that would get 218 votes, and there really isn't anyone else that's come forward as a consensus candidate. So, you know, they might go through a few rounds of voting, but I expect you'll see Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. And then once that happens, then things settle down, and then maybe you can return to um, the committee work and maybe, you know, 
focus, certainly hope it will be focused on the economy, you know, financial services, the Ways and Means Committee, you know, but also things like the border, which people seem to have those concerns too. So it's certainly reasonable that Republicans would be focused on that. There are serious issues there. Democrat Senator Mark Kelly said he was concerned about that. So I think there's some bipartisan opportunities in those areas. And, you know, when you have a narrow majority, you hope people will soberly accept that. And once it settles down and everyone gets in their places, that they behave in that way. And I know that's a little Pollyanna-ish, but that's certainly what I would hope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hope springs eternal, as they say. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I would hope, too. And there are big issues that they should be able to get some kind of consensus on. Uh, I think, for example, them sitting down and, and all of a sudden, like the CHIP Act, which was a blatant problem for years, it, it, you know, it wasn't a new problem. It's just that they didn't notice it as, as, as such until supply chain and weird disruptions in China and those type of things. Uh, look what kind of consensus they got on that. And I think there's a lot of issues out there where they should be able to find consensus. I think this Family Leave Act that uh, Marco Rubio uh, has talked about quite a bit that is really uh, revenue uh, cost neutral uh, because, in fact, individuals will pay for it through their Social Security. They'll just retire a little later than that. You know, and we're talking, we're talking a few months. We're not talking years uh, enjoying family leave and to be able to spend time with their newborn or whatever their situation with uh, with uh, parents or whatever they're dealing with. That kind of thing is something I think there's a whole lot of consensus for. I think the Marco Rubio approach of not everyone wants that. So it shouldn't be a, a new tax on the people assuming that everyone wants that. This idea of being individualized and having individuals own that, I think it's really popular. Ironically, um, you know, I, I, ironically, you think the Democrats would be all over that. I think the Democrats have, generally have a thing about being the ones handing out the money. I think they don't like the idea. Um, this is what I make up as a rule. They don't like the idea of, of individuals having that responsibility and don't want to see the government create a situation where that can happen. I could be wrong, but I, I, I get that. But that, to me, is like low-hanging fruit on the policy front. Well, you're, you're right. You know, and you mentioned the CHIP Act, and I will note that uh, Senator Todd Young, Republican from Indiana, you know, conservative senator, but, you know, young, very active, one of those true legislators, um, was just reelected. So even though we have some, you know, members that maybe, you know, aren't so serious, um, actually a lot of the unserious people didn't get elected in the Senate, but fortunately we have people like Senator Young who was reelected. I do support um, family leave. I do know that, you know, certainly Senator Rubio's policy, while innovative, has not captured the imagination of a bipartisan coalition yet. But I do think that issue post-pandemic is one that um, there definitely, you would think there would be um, some agreement on it because certainly we found that, well, see, and I, would, I will hail the tech companies because my, my, my kids work in them and, and I certainly am experiencing that they provide those family leave policies. And not only do they provide very generous family leave policies, they also have, you know, sort of, you know, after you've been there a certain number of years, you know, provide just a leave policy to 
go out and, you know, kind of take a little break and, you know, travel and, and, and you know, just kind of, you know, do something that you haven't done for a while. So they really do encourage those kind of policies. So, you know, I, I think the country can look to our tech companies in finding good kind of family life balance because they've been at the forefront of dealing with that. Instead, we still have a Congress, actually both on the House and the Senate side, that do want to pick on our, our tech friends when, in fact, they do provide a lot of these models when you're trying to find, hey, how do we find this work-life balance? Uh, sit down with some of these guys and some of you know the leading companies that have done this because I certainly think during COVID we've seen that people can work from home, um, have hybrid work situations, that you can, that if you're investing in your employees, that it's smart to give them that time off when they have a child. I just had my seventh grandchild and uh, my daughter-in-law will be home for four months. She works with a uh, technology-based type company and is four months home with her new uh, son and my son, the dad, has um, two months home with his job. So uh, that's been very nice. And then, you know, I barely have time to get in there and get my hands on the little guy because they're home so much. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it, it really, I think we all know that that's a better way to start out with young children. And so I hope that's something that we can find some agreement on. Yeah, it'd be again. I think Republicans have their their hill. In fact, I mean Marco Rubio, and he's not the only one. There's there's several Republicans similar type proposals that generally have the theme: let's make this happen. Let's individuals be responsible for it. You know, and I I, I like that. That's a, that's a Republican idea, as well, you well know, we right? Used to, but, we used to kind of we used to sit down with businesses that did these kind of things and say, hey, how have you made this work? How can we do this and maybe learn from the private sector on how they've been successful in maintaining, um, you know, a good workforce and providing these things at the same time? Because um, it's it's a good thing that uh, we're doing this. And actually, federal employees, they finally provided paid leave because we were losing so many federal employees to the private sector workforce and not able to get people into jobs like cybersecurity and a lot of the, you know, really high-level jobs that we need to have them in, uh, you know, to have the kind of expertise we need in government because we weren't providing that. And it was a hindrance to having senior women in senior positions in government when you were competing with companies that were providing them with that four-month leave, and then whereas in government they weren't providing paid leave at all. So, you know, Times have changed, and the workforce has changed, and government needs to change with it, and the policies need to change with it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that pans <laughs> out. It'd be good, like you said, if they can uh, find uh, consensus. What do you feel uh, in terms of uh, uh, is it likely that um, you know McCartney? You, you mentioned you know that it's almost like the old saying, right? You run in a in a primary, you run to the to the right if you're a Republican, and then you uh, move to the center once you get the nomination. You try to get as many independent votes, you know. And obviously, there's a lot, to, uh, you know, similar going on with the run for the speaker. Um, but some of this to me is like 
outrageous. I, I think it was wrong the way uh, some committee members uh, were treated by uh, Republican committee members. A lot of these should be done by their party, not by the other party. You know, if I was a Democrat and, and had some of the crazies that they shut down in committee, I'm thinking, boy, them being in committee is an embarrassment to the Republicans. Why do I want to do them a favor? <laughs> you know, uh, but Again, you think a lot of this is rhetoric, or are there any particular Democrats that might get that kind of rap? Well, if, if you're going to kick people off committees, you're going to you know, have a floor vote on it, presumably, and given it such a narrow margin. I think there are, you've already had, um, particularly the New York Democrats who came in from moderate districts, and there are other uh, Republicans who, you know, come in, you know, say under 5% in a swing district, there's probably only 30 or, or so in districts like that, I guess. Maybe that's what it is now. But that's enough to make a difference to say, hey, I told people I was going to focus on the economy and jobs. So these, you know, if they, if, if all the headlines are about investigations, if if we kind of hand over the caucus to the Marjorie Greens and, and that type, and, and that's the headlines that people see for yeah. the next two years, then that's not going to uh, bode well for 2024 because that will, um, you know, just remind them, uh, you know, and if they're all out there, you know, talking Trump and defending Trump and doing all that again, you know, then you're going to, you know, I mean, they're already talking about Hunter Biden. Like, well, who can yeah. play at that? The Senate, the Senate has a majority. They can do investigations of Jared Kushner's $2 billion from Saudi Arabia. You know, so you can see where in a, you know, divided Congress where, you know, if one side's going to do, if the House is going to do one thing, there's certainly, um, you know, chairmanships on the other side in the Senate that can say, well, we can, uh, we can play that game too if, if that's where you want to go. I don't think you'll see that much in the Senate because I think the Senate still is going to be uh, the place where more serious things go on. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you know, and I think you're going to see just a lot of down this lame duck, just because of this. Since you know, there's a lot of uncertainty now because of these. You know, once again, it's going to be close numbers. I do think. I mean, I hey, after this election, I mean, I certainly thought Republicans were going to pick up more. I'm. I think where things ended up is kind of a good check. You know, a good win for democracy, that, and good win for sanity. That uh, that people said. Hey, we may be center right, we may be conservative, but we're not crazy. I mean, that's where I consider myself conservative, not crazy. <laughs> and you know, yeah. I'm happy to vote for a conservative, but not somebody like a Blake Masters or a Carrie Lake or these others that went down deservedly to defeat. So, um, you know, now that we have that opportunity to um, move forward and try and get things done, you know, hopefully, you will have. Um, you know, focus on, you know, the economy because that's, you know, we need to get this economy back in shape. It's, you know, people are hurting. And, yeah, absolutely. and that's what, you know, when I go to the gas station or, or the grocery store, I'm not thinking about Hunter Biden. I'm thinking about <laughs> gas prices and grocery prices. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point to end on. I think uh, part of what we saw was a mandate against crazy uh, a mandate for normal, 
Uh, I think when you take uh, election deniers to their logical conclusion, that means, wait a minute, are we going to be taking away my vote? <laughs> you know, because you don't know how to count them. Uh, you know, people want to make, make their vote count. And I was happy to see how few scandals there were. Uh, Carrie Lake was about the only one out of Arizona, and she declared she was robbed before the uh, voting even began, and uh, very Trumpkin, uh, if you would, I would say. And so I think, uh, I think you're right. I think people want action, and I think they want serious uh, action, and I think we are going to see hopefully a turn in that direction, and we've begun to see that. Barbara Comstock, always love having you on. I look forward to our next visit. Great. Good to be with you. And happy Thanksgiving. I'm happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. All right. I'm Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs>